Holy Spirit, I just ask for your presence and an anointing in an increased fashion here tonight. Even as this teaching goes out, this message on the seven mountain, seven mountain message, but specifically the mountain of government, I just thank you, Lord, that you will carry your presence into the various different cultures and language that this message will also go to. And we count on that and rely on that, Lord. And, and as this is used, even for schools of ministry around the world and uh, in various ways, we just thank you that and ask you and thank you ahead of time that your presence, your joy, your instruction, your wisdom will go along with it. Prepare the hearts, the ears that will hear this in this place as we have it live and also around the world. Thank you for that, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Well, we are going to begin with the mountain of government. For those who may be seeing this by video, it doesn't necessarily mean in order that it has to begin. This might be mountain number three or four, depending on how the people are structuring it that are presenting this for you. But we are beginning here live with our church, and we will begin speaking on the mountain of government. And um, we started out with a message, the overview message on the seven mountain called the Seven Mountain Mandate, and this goes into the seven mountains of society, and um, if we can go to the next, to the next uh, clip here on the PowerPoint, we want to look at the scripture out of Revelation 17, 9. Here is the mind which has wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman, Satan, sits. Now, in your Bible, it doesn't say Satan, but we understand the way she is described. She is described as the great harlot with whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication. And uh, also in, I believe it's Revelation 17, 3, it speaks of a scarlet beast that has seven heads. And so we understand that the enemy operates in seven sectors of society, that there is a targeting of the seven high places of society. This is just a brief review as we get into the mountain of government. And we want to just see, again, listed the seven mountains the mountain of government, the mountain of education, the mountain of media, the mountain of economy or business, the mountain of family, the mountain of celebration, arts and entertainment, sports, and the mountain of religion or worship, the mountain on which the church is, the mountain from which the house of God will be raised up, as Isaiah 2.2 says in the last days, the mountain of the house of the Lord be exalted on the tops of the mountains. We want to look at it also out of Micah 4, 1 and 2, I generally quote it to you out of Isaiah 2, 2, but we want to see that it is listed somewhere else. It says now, it shall come to pass in the last days that the mountain of the Lord's house will be exalted on the top of the mountains and peoples shall flow to it. Many nations shall come and say, come and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord. He will teach us his ways and we will walk in his paths. We want to notice, even what I've underlined there, he will teach us his ways and we will walk in his paths. This is something that's process. There is a learning of his ways, a learning of his paths. You know, so much of the expectation of many believers, their eschatology, their perspective of the end times, is that the only good thing that can possibly happen to us is when the millennium is here. And this is part of what we're seeking to counter in some ways. We don't have the whole mystery figured out, but we do know the Lord says in the midst of darkness, we are to shine. And if there's still darkness, that means he hasn't come back and cleaned up everything yet first. And so we want to see that on the tops of the mountains where we're supposed to show up with his glory, this is not something that happens then. It may be also uh, where, where this shows up when there's millennium time, but during times of the enemy still being on earth during times of testing, trials, anxiety, that he is calling us to arise with his light and that he will instruct nations on his ways and his paths. Not just something he does like lightning bolt, all of a sudden we're waiting for him to come do this. This is a process. And I want us to look at Matthew twenty two, forty four, 44. And uh, it says... The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. Now, this particular scripture, that phrasing there, is listed 
also in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, I think a total of six or seven times. Anytime we see something repeated that over and over and over again in the Scriptures, it is because the Scriptures wants to make sure we understand that this is truth, 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 truth. Uh, and, and it's not like, well, I wonder how seriously we ought to take that Scripture. And if it is true that John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son and that whole thing, very well known, this scripture is profoundly true. And uh, I have listed there the feet generation, and I believe that we are entering into the time of the feet generation. We'll understand that a bit more when I uh, read the next scripture. But before I do, I want us to, as we're observing that scripture, Sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. We want to look at that word till. That gives us some end times understanding, some eschatology. Eschatology, the study of the end times, understanding of the end times. David first spoke of this in Psalm 110.1, I believe, this very same scripture where he was able to see prophetically into the future. He was able to see the day where Jesus had already died. He had paid the price on the cross He had raised from the dead, and where the father is saying to the son, now sit at my right hand. You have done what you are called to do. You have paid the price. You have satisfied that which was required for there to be the remission of sins and for redemption for the kingdoms of this world to become the kingdoms of our God. And he says, now you sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. So when people say, many preachers say, Jesus could come tonight. It's not that I know when he's coming specifically, but if we just believe this scripture, which is said multiple times, Old Testament, New Testament, that he's not coming, the Father says, sit at my right hand until something. And we can also read in another scripture where it says that he sits at the right hand of the Father in intercession for us. We understand He is not like, well, we'll see when the Father feels like he's going to send him. Maybe it's today. No. There is an until factor. Until I make your enemies your footstool. Now, what we want to understand about when he's saying your footstool, now let's look at Ephesians 1, 22 and 23. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body. We're doing this thing together. He is the head, we are the body. The fullness of him who fills all in all. So when I say there is a feet generation, I believe we are either seeing the beginning of the feet generation, the last generation, the last two generations that will be a part of crushing Satan. I don't have it listed on the PowerPoint, but we could look at, I'll just tell you, Romans 16, 20 says, the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. So when it says, sit at my right hand until I make all your enemies your footstool, it's not waiting for Jesus to come and do it on his own independently from us. He is the head, and it clearly establishes several places in the Scripture. We are his body. You add that to Romans 16, 20, says the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet. So till the time, till we see that prophetic word, that Scripture fulfilled, we cannot expect him to come any moment even though we don't know when he's coming, but he's not coming yet because the father at least six, seven times, the scripture says, the papa says to the son, you did what you're supposed to do. I am now gonna pour out of my spirit upon your sons and your daughters, upon your body, and they, there will be a generation that arises, that shines, that recognizes what they were called to do, and they will crush Satan. Then I'm gonna let you go. The until factor. So we just got to get the eschatology of it correct. So we're in the right movie. We want to be in the right script. If you're in the wrong movie, you'll play the wrong part. You don't want to be in the Alamo movie where it's, yeah, we all get killed, we all get destroyed, but we were heroic. That's what many believers believe. That's the movie part they're playing. So they position and prepare themselves for a wrong role, an inferior role, based on being in the wrong movie. So we want to look at Isaiah 60, particularly verse 3. I read to you a lot Isaiah 61 through 3. They're probably my favorite three verses in the Bible. We didn't put the first two verses there because we're emphasizing 
verse 3, where it says, Nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your shining. Because this is a teaching on the mountain of government, we want to point out from this verse 3 that they're saying that what God will release on his sons and daughters will be sufficient light, anointing, solutions from heaven, enough help that entire nations can come to your light. And kings, prime ministers, presidents, governmental leaders, to the brightness of your shining. Now, whose shining are we talking about? Is this Jesus coming in the millennium? No, I'll just, I didn't put it up here. You know it very well, but I'll I'll repeat to you Isaiah 60. Arise, shine, your light has come. The glory of the Lord is risen upon you. This is not something he does independent while we wait and twiddle our thumbs and wonder when he's going to come take care of this. This is an arising. We understand the times, the days. We recognize our identity, who he is. He waits to partner with an awakening people. He doesn't need to wait for us, but he wants to. He is going to enjoy it much more what he's going to do in the last days because he's going to have his sons and daughters crush Satan. This is his... This is his statement, whether directly or not, to Satan. Satan has to know that God can just flick his finger like this and it's all over. There's not a comparison in power. It's not like God is the big good guy and Satan is the big bad guy. There's no comparison. Their powers, you know, Satan is not a millionth of God's power. He could do this thing easy. But he's saying, I am going to have sons and daughters that so understand who I am and so love me like you could not do. I'm going to prove to you that love never fails. And in the end, my sons and my daughters who love me out of their love relationship and awakening who they are called to be, they are going to crush you. That's an awesome word. So nations will come to your light. And that verse 2, darkness will cover the earth, deep darkness to people, But the Lord, that's the awesome thing it is, but the Lord, but the Lord will arise over you and his glory will be seen upon you. And then it says the nations will walk to the light that's on the sons of God. This is not millennial stuff. This is darkness is on the earth, light on us, and nations operating to the light of the sons of God. There are people who do not have faith, friends of mine that do not believe this stuff can happen to the millennium, but you've just, you just read the context. There is darkness and deep darkness. That is not the millennial reign. This is before then that nations, entire nations, will walk to the light of the rising sons and daughters of the king, and it's for governmental levels. This scripture specifically, Isaiah 63, is telling us that. Y'all can believe that? All right. While we stay there for just a moment, I made a note to myself that in Spanish, I like it better that Isaiah 63, where it says, not only that nations will come to your light, but as it says in Spanish, las naciones andarán a la luz de los hijos de Dios. Nations will walk to the light of the sons of God. The coming shining will be instructive as to how entire nations and governments can function. This is what we will see in the coming days. If somebody prophesies, oh, the darkest days are coming, it's true. It says it, but it also says, but the Lord will arise on you. And if you will carry his light, it really doesn't matter how deep the darkness is. Because it says in the midst of the deepest darkness imaginable, my light will be seen on my sons and daughters so that entire nations can operate under that light. Like who really notices how deep darkness is if there's light? That's the reality. This is what he has in store for us. It is something to be excited about. So those who have entire seminars studying darkness and the powers of darkness, it's a little bit of a waste of time. An aspect of it, because if light shows up, it's poof, gone. Okay, heaven's government, Matthew 6.10. The Lord's Prayer. I remind you, when Jesus prayed that, it was not a whimsical, I wish. He's like, oh, Papa, you don't know how bad things are here. 
I wish your will could be done here. You know, I wish your kingdom would come here. We need it so bad. It was an absolute prophetic declaration from God on earth. Seeing what the Father was doing in heaven, he declared here, your kingdom come, your will be done. It is in the imperative form. You study the language, you understand it. I don't understand enough of it, but I do know that in the Greek that it's written, it's the imperative language. Kingdom come. It's an actual prophetic mandate from Jesus. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He's asking, as we look at it from the mountain of government perspective, we have to understand that he's saying the way government functions in heaven, and government does function in heaven. He is the king. It just doesn't function the way it functions here on earth. The way government functions in heaven, let it function on earth. And it's going to be on his sons and daughters, and it can displace the darkness that's on that mountain. It's important for us to know this and believe this. There are entire denominations that don't allow their people to be involved in politics and government because they say it's of the devil. You know, I used to believe that to some extent also. I even asked the Lord years ago, well, maybe, is that possibly true? It seems to me it's kind of like, of the devil, so corrupt everywhere I go. He says, well, it's basically true, but it's because you gave it to the devil. Anywhere light doesn't show up will be dark. It's not because it's his will, it's illegal there. We heard in the overview message, all authority in heaven and on earth is mine because of what I did on the cross, go therefore. It wasn't like, you know, 82% government, I'm sorry, I couldn't do that one. I'm pretty good. I can heal people. I can save and cast out demons. Government, that's just got me. I don't know what to do about that. It's all authority. All authority that operates illegally here on earth must be displaced by the marching sons and daughters of the king, the feet generation. And Papa's already told the son, you already did. You took care of your stuff. And I promise you, I'm God. You're God. How that works there, the Trinity. You're God the Son, I'm God the Father. I will pour out my spirit on your sons and your daughters and they will crush Satan on earth. Then I'll let you go in celebration. So he's not coming to rescue. He will only come to celebrate. We've got to get that one right. All right. There is government light in heaven and it can function on earth through his partnering sons and daughters. And I want to say, again, he doesn't need partnering sons and daughters. He chooses to operate that way. And he doesn't need a lot. He's never needed a lot. The pattern in Scripture is he will use very few people. He raises up Gideon's 300. They start chasing the enemy. Before long, all Israel joins in. They're like, oh, if we're going to win, we'll run with you. You have people that have eschatology. We can't do this stuff. They'll change their mind when it starts happening. Don't worry about them. We can't take until Jesus comes. This is a bunch of hogwash. Do not believe this stuff. You'll set yourself up for defeat. And meanwhile, we'll be taking nation, nation. To, well, maybe we can. We'll join in too. So don't worry about that. That'll come. That's going to happen. We're going to see that. Unprecedented days are upon us. So we want to look a little bit at the landscape of the mountain of government, the spiritual landscape. And I call them the usurpers that are there, reminding you it's illegal authority. Every Authority of darkness that exists on the planet is illegal because Jesus Christ paid the price with his blood, satisfied the need for redemption. So everyone we talk about, is it's not like we're going to take government back from the devil and I hope he's not mad because we're taking what's his. He is the illegal usurper there and there's been just a lack of the sons and daughters of the king with enough internal fortitude and confidence, the spirit of Caleb to say, the giants are bred for us. And then we'll begin to see this happen much more. So, you know, we use the template of the seven nations greater and mightier than the children of Israel, the seven nations of the promised land, the ites. And there is a corresponding ite for each one of the mountains. Each one of the enemies is represented by one of the ites. And for the mountain of government, the enemy is the Girgashites. I believe their name means feet of clay. And they speak and they represent corruption. And for this reason... Probably every nation I've ever been to, probably every nation you've ever been to, if you ask about government, says we just have so much corruption in government. It's just like there's no new thing. I haven't gone anywhere. They say, you know, we have such a righteous government. You see that there, and that's what the enemy 
has been doing. He's sowing corruption. He puts corrupt people. He does all he can to create corrupt institutions. And and there's just a sowing and reaping of corruption, corruption. Often the church, again, we've been on this other mountain. We've been on the mountain of religion where the church is. We have not been even believing this is an assignment we have. And we're from that mountain just, oh, God, our government so corrupt. At best, the brave men of faith will begin to send ICBMs in the spirit and have prayer vigils, maybe even fill up a stadium and send prayer bombs, ICBMs into the mountain of government. Say, oh, Lord, please bring down corruption, the principalities of darkness that are over our nation's government. And even if they were successful at time they have been, if they succeeded in raising up an army of unity that fasted 40 days and 40 nights, for instance, if we did that in America, and we had the, the black church, the white church, the Latino church, the Chinese church, every church become in unity, and we fast and pray and say, Lord, bring down every power and principality that's in the mountain of government, and everyone who's operating under, let them be removed. And let's say we were successful. Who is now going to govern? We're all in this one mountain, all bunched up. They're praying, sending bombs. Biblically, seven times worse will then arise. The way we take ground in the spirit is by displacement. We have to occupy. So we're not going to do this thing by having enough prayer sessions. That's good. That's an, an additive. That helps in some way. But we have to physically occupy the ground we want to keep. If not, we have testimonies. We have books written about a victory that took place for six months, a year, two years, or something like that, but it's not sustainable unless we occupy it. And the way we're going to occupy it is by having enough believers on that mountain displacing the darkness that is there. The principality is Lucifer. Lucifer himself. His essence is pride and manipulation. We see how he did that from the very beginning. And this is an understanding of our enemy. The demons, the common demons are demons of corruption. Those are the seeds the enemy's sowing. The principality is Lucifer. It represents pride and arrogance. And the reason it's important for us to know these things is not so we create these massive prayer gatherings to tackle Lucifer and to tackle Gergeshites. It's that to have authority to displace darkness, we must show up in the opposite spirit of what is operating on that mountain. It's the general principle of all the seven mountains. To have authority to displace darkness, we have to recognize the darkness that's there and the way it operates. And if the enemy operates in corruption, if the enemy enemy operates in pride and manipulation, we must come in the opposite spirit in order to displace the darkness that's there. And that will work. This is not about a Christian cause. It's not about Christians organizing strong enough and becoming some, I might mention it later again, some kind of mafia, a Christian mafia that we've organized so well that we're imposing our will. We've had those kind of things in history before. There's the Holy Inquisition. There's different things in Central and South America that even the the Catholic Church at different seasons in time has coordinated strategize together enough to dominate sectors of society, including the government. This is not what God desires in this last day. There is no such thing as a Christian cause, if you want to say. There is the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness. If you operate in the character of the kingdom of God, you are advancing that kingdom. If you're operating in the character of the other kingdom, you're advancing the other kingdom, whether you are said the sinner's prayer or not. Now, for people in government, and as they... See this, we've had to make this clear in different nations because there's been people that have gained political, they've won their elections and they're believers. And then they get offered a deal under the table that will bless the church and give them expanded favor. But they have to give a favor in return and they have to take some money under the table and they're like, well, you know, this will be good for Christians. It's not good for Christians if you're advancing the other kingdom. The moment you start doing things under the table, pride, manipulation, corruption, we begin to advance the other kingdom, whether we're Christians or not. So we have to really get that clear. All right, let's go on some more about Lucifer. Lucifer will be removed from government. This is out of 
Isaiah 14, 12 through 16. How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, you who weakened the nations. This is what Lucifer is attempting to do. Weaken the nations. God loves the nations. He loves, he has, he loves the, the, uh, the special characteristics of each nation and culture. There is a, a redemptive godlikeness of the various cultures, but Satan, Lucifer, is out to weaken the nations. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount. I will be like the Most High. Yet you shall be brought down to Sheol. To the lowest depth of the pit, those who see you will gaze at you and consider you, saying, Is this the man who made the earth tremble, who shook kingdoms? We will see the day when Lucifer is completely removed from his position of influence in the mountain of government. We have to believe that. It's not like... If my people are called by my name, this is not one of those things. Well, if we really get together, we get unity, we bind and pray. No. This is guaranteed by what God already did, what Jesus did on the cross. It's already been seen by the prophets. They already said, Satan is cast down into hell, and you will no more be on this mountain. And we will say one day, is this the man who made the earth tremble, who shook kingdoms? Another general principle about powers and principalities and why the focus is not on getting enough spiritual muscle or even fasting and praying enough in an attempt to get authority over them. It's a little bit of a misplaced concept because they are empowered by human agreement. When they deceive people, they deceive nations, and they obey them, and they give their belief system to them, the belief system that we as humans give to powers and principalities empowers them. And so they become this huge blimp, this huge power that manifests a lot of power, exerts power, but is not really powerful on their own. If the big dude of them all, Satan, Lucifer, if one day we're going to look at him and say, oh my goodness, this is a guy who's been creating all these problems and killing millions and millions and millions for all these years, when he's stripped of human agreement... When he is stripped of those who believe in him and are lied and deceived, he is pitiful. He's not pitiful because he has their energy, their power. So we have to understand that also. All right. I want to tell you briefly about five antichrist influences of Lucifer in the mountain of government. This is specifically the mountain of government. This can help you recognize to what degree the talons of Satan are presently engaging digging into your own nation so you know what you need to resist. And it also becomes an instructor for presidents and leaders as they observe their own nation, as they observe the political realities there and see these influences. If they are to represent the Lord, if they want to cooperate with the Lord, and I believe many will watch these videos in the future, who will be leaders, presidents, prime ministers of nations, and they will want to be assisting the cause of the Lord. They will want to be a minister of God here on earth. Part of their mission will be not to allow these five specific influences in their nation or to resist them in every way possible. Now, we want to understand Antichrist, first of all. Antichrist is the Antichristos. Christos is the anointing. Scripture says the anointing breaks the yoke, breaks the yoke of the enemy, the yoke of Darkness in every conceivable way. The bondage that's there. Influence number one. The Antichrist influence is working to destroy Israel. Now, we could give uh, an hour probably time to that, but it will do, give you maybe a minute on it. Why is the enemy working to destroy Israel? Well, it's because thus he destroys God's overall plan. We specifically know, we won't turn there, but Romans eleven fifteen speaks of a re-engrafting the vine of Israel as a chosen people and that they will recognize their Messiah. And it says it will be like life from the dead for the rest of the world. The crystals, the anointing released through them engaging and fulfilling their ultimate call and plan will release something into the entire world. 
And so the enemy, that's why we saw maybe the strongest manifestation of the Antichrist that we know about, Hitler. He's under this influence. And he goes after the Jews. And his intention, as we know, was to kill every single one. Satan's, Lucifer's idea. If I kill every single Jew, God's plan can't happen. Because it's very clear that there is a redemptive plan for Israel in the last days. We understand also that Israel will be used as an anvil in the last days. That a nation's destiny will be beat around. The Lord will beat a destiny around how they respond to Israel in the situations and the circumstances and even the crises in Israel. So this becomes a very key thing. But the Antichrist influence, it works to destroy Israel in various different ways. We'll go number two. It works to destroy true believers. That is obvious. I believe last year from the numbers I heard, there was around 250,000 of our brothers and sisters that were martyred. Particularly those who are Holy Spirit filled. Holy Spirit, they carry the anointing, the Christos. In an increased fashion than those who have just said a sinner's prayer and have become passive. But if they're Holy Spirit filled, kingdom-minded believers, they are dangerous to Satan. They are the crushers of his head. They are those who will be the feet generation that will crush Satan, and then Papa will say, all right, go, let's go with the rest of the plan, son. They carry the potential light to displace the enemy. Let's look at number three. The number three antichrist influence in the mountain of government to recognize the claws of the enemy trying to get in. He is working to destroy the next generation. And he does that through pro-abortion laws, through wars. And there is a specific targeted intention of the enemy at this time to destroy a more anointed generation. The scripture says that the end of the age is the harvest. We enter the harvest time and we will see these sons and daughters of the king like never before. But it's also the harvest of darkness. And in this harvest of darkness, if we concentrate on that, it would kind of be overwhelming. But what God has promised in this last day and what is now being birthed is either already birthed or now being birthed. Where there was one Elijah for a whole generation, there will be a million Elijahs for a generation. Where there was one Elisha, there will be a million more Elishas. Where there is one David, there will be a million more Davids. There will be a harvest of all the mantles, anointings of all the past generations. We will have a million Daniels, a million Esthers, a million Deborahs, and they will all be in the same generation and they're being born now. So you can see why the enemy is after them. Yes. Part of our mission is to discover them, call them into their destiny. But this is what's being released. So it can, it can break off the fear and hopelessness because if you study the enemy and his harvest, you go, man, this is going to be scary and bad. There's nothing scary or bad about it. We outnumber him. We outrank him. We outpower him. We outanointed him. It's, he just, he's got all the power. He's got all authority, all power. He already said he had all authority in heaven and in earth. He's looking for a people, sons and daughters who will cooperate with him, and it's going to be a good time. Number four, he's working to suppress women. They become the key to the great arising and shining. We know that even in the garden, Satan was prophesied about the woman. Her seed will crush you. And there is something about a manifestation of women who arise. Women who are awakened into their callings. We can see in some of the most repressive governments, in the extreme Islamic nations, you will see the manifestation of all five of these antichrist influences in their government. The spirit behind it. We will see them, why you see in some of these nations, they allow their women, just one little peephole, it really speaks volumes as to what they're allowing in that nation. One little peephole for them to show themselves, and that's it. And that is actually all they are allowing of the influence of women in those nations. It's an antichrist spirit. 
That antichrist spirit has worked in the church itself through misunderstanding of passages of the Bible to keep women relegated to non-leadership roles, to not allow them to shine with who God is, to not allow them to be crushers of Satan. That is changing. We definitely allow that in this ministry. We want the mighty women of God to arise, be used to the fullness of what God has for them. They will be the crushers, primary crushers of Satan. They are the key to the great arising and shining that will come. Then number five, the Antichrist spirit, Lucifer works to pervert sexual mores. Promoting adultery, homosexuality, etc., 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 for several reasons. These things all destroy family. Anything that's not God's rules, God's instruction of the way the blessing of sexuality is to be handled will ultimately destroy families, which destroys individuals, which causes sickness. God doesn't just say things because I'm God and I just decide to make the rule. You can't do this, you can't do this. There is a real practical consequence, an understandable consequence, scientifically proven consequences of what happens when we don't follow his instructions. The other primary reason that Lucifer works to pervert sexual mores is because the nations that give themselves over to the violation of his sexual mores and guidelines, inevitably it causes judgment to be released upon that nation. It's a self-judgment, most of it. If you go into Africa, what we hear, you know, the Lord is moving greatly on the one hand, but there are, last I heard, 40 million AIDS orphans. And a lot of that, not all of it, but a whole lot of that is because there's a violation of the sexual mores established by the Lord through the scriptures. And he's not doing it again just because I'm God and I'm set the rules, obey them. There are consequences there are judgments. This is one of the ways Satan is killing the next generation. And so he sows that at every level into inst- institutionally if he can change laws, ordinances, to encourage and facilitate this. So this is about recognizing Satan's claws when they come into a nation's government and what our, our assignment is, part of our assignment, and displacing him. I want to look at the important role of government apostles. It's a whole new idea that I present in this whole teaching on the seven mountains, that that there are apostles, prophets, teachers, evangelists. Who did I forget? Pastors. How could I forget a pastor? We know about how they show up on the mountain of religion, the mountain where the church works, But these mantles, there are specific mantles for these other mountains that we'll be going through as we continue this series. But in the mountain of government, it is specifically, there are mantles for true apostles that carry authority and humility that displaces the darkness of this mountain. When I'm saying authority, it means you must be called. The servant-mindedness is the humility, and it is that that comes in the opposite spirit of which Lucifer operates. So, you know, a lot of the stuff we have in the body of Christ that goes under apostolic actually carries a significant level of arrogance. So there is no authority over Lucifer by carrying an apostolic title. There is authority over Lucifer by carrying apostolic anointing, which is always encased in being called. That's the authority. And the humility is the one that sanctions it. And if there's not the humility, then it's not working. You'll notice in the New Testament, the scriptures, every time Jesus or his disciples, the original apostles, Jesus was called the original apostle, then his disciples are the the next 12 apostles that we know about. Every time they showed up in a city, the anointing they carried bumped government. They were, you know, the 12 disciples, they were poor, uneducated. They shouldn't be a threat to government. But they just had to show up, and the anointing they carried because they were true apostles made government leaders uncomfortable. Inevitably, there's a confrontation. They're whipping them, throwing them in prison, something, because their kingdom is being shaken by true apostles showing up. True apostles will carry legitimate, full-fledged true apostles called to the mountain of government will carry tens of thousands of angels that accompany them. 
That is a whole lot of the authority that is released through them. So we need this mountain filled with true apostles. On this mountain, maybe to ensure that there's proper humility, it does you no good to carry the title of apostle. That separates often, that's a separating point all by itself. I probably should not go down that path. But it was a blessing for me a couple of years ago to come across someone who already was in high government, a congressman, a senator in his own nation, who read my book on the seven mountains, read the mountain of government, and he contacted me to tell me, he says, it is exactly the way you describe it. The landscape, the spiritual dangers are just like in your book. And he said, I had no idea this is a ministry. This is a call from God I have. He's already there as a congressman, senator. Very probably a future president. And he said, I, I need help even existing on this mountain. I'm here, but it's so intense and the corruption and the spirits and the pressure and Satan and Lucifer, you can just feel it all over the place. And he asked, would I come? And would I tell him if he had an apostolic mantle? It was so interesting. It was not even who I had intended the book ever to get to. And he wanted me to come and tell him if he had spiritually the mantle that would allow him to secure and hold the ground that he's supposed to hold there. It was good we were able to go there, Elizabeth and I, and even to confirm that he did have it. And we put one on him as a prophetic act also. But it's awesome that in the last days, the mountain of the house of the Lord exalted in the tops of the mountains and the nations flow to it. They recognize that there is something they must have. They must have the help from the household of God. There's a general of the armed forces of another nation. And again, both of these people, I'm telling you, they've had, they were Catholics and one of them particularly did definitely have a genuine relationship with the Lord. The other one was sort of a nominal relationship with the Lord. You know, you can't tell by Catholic, Protestant, anything else, who really has a relationship with Jesus. You have to ask. You have to ask questions, and you find out. And you can be surprised. Some who've said the sinner's prayer, they kind of just, that's as far as they went, and they really don't even have a pulse, hardly. <laughs> then you have some other ones that you're not, you think, I don't know if they're really believers. And then you find out, oh, wow, there may be some mixed-up stuff in their theology, but they have a real relationship with God and they pray with the Holy Spirit. He's there with his presence and power. But this government, this uh, general of the armed forces, we were visiting together and we were getting done. He said, Johnny, he says, you see how intense it is here. You see all the pressures, the difficulties, because you could just pick it up in the spirit, just showing up and it was all over him. But as we came with our team, peace came upon them immediately. And it always does. Because we were called to displace darkness on the tops of the mountains. We just show up. We don't have to say a whole lot of things. We were called. We are hinds feet on high places. We're supposed to be out there. It's Christ in us. His glory will be seen upon you. Your light, his light on us. And it displaces darkness. And he said, Johnny, you care. He didn't even know what to call it, you know. He says, you carry so much spirituality. He says, if we don't have what you bring, we have to go to the witch doctors. And he said, could I have your phone number so I can call you sometime? I said, sure. But this is a reality. We're, we're on the mountain of religion, the church, and we're pointing fingers and accusing. Why are they so corrupt and so everything? But we don't show up with the light they need. This general is now a most definite true believer. If he wasn't before, he is fully embracing, speaking of Christ, Jesus. He has a living relationship with the Lord, and it's an awesome thing. But the important role of government apostles, they carry the authority and humility to displace the darkness of that mountain. It's not necessarily even necessary. You know if you're an apostle or not. You'll begin to recognize that's operating on you as you go, and so you ask for that mantle if you're called to that mountain. Now, I want to... You may be thinking, well, what is this for? Is this, how, how do we show up on this mountain of government? Does this mean we run for president? We run for senator? If you can get to the next PowerPoint there. 
We may be candidates, congressmen, senators, advisors, aides, lawmakers, speechwriters, cooks, cleaners, intercessors. You can be called to the mountain of government and fulfill any one of these and some other ones that I haven't talked about. And when I say cook or cleaner, I'm talking about the Lord can say or open a door for you to be the cook in the White House. If not the White House, some similar place on the mountain of government. And your role there is to displace darkness. He can give you an apostolic mantle to help displace the darkness that's over whoever's the governor, the mayor, whatever sector of society. He can open a door for you to be there. And you can, if you understand your assignment, your mission, then you are advancing the kingdom. See, we are called to pray for those in government. The Bible says, above all, pray for whoever is there. Doesn't say criticize them. We're very good at that, even as believers and Christians. We have to let you know what takes place when we do that. When you already have an evil person in government, and I'm not saying that, I'm just suggesting if we do. If you have someone that's evil and the church pulls back even more grace, then you make him an absolute target, open, no protection. Satan can use him as his virtual puppet in that nation, and it becomes the Christian's fault. Because we are called to cover them, protect them, release light. For our nation, for the United States, that is the imperative. Right now, Barack Obama is the president. We are supposed to pray for him. You can disagree with whatever policies you disagree, but you cannot pull back the light that he needs even to think straight. And we can have someone who works. I'm sure that in our nation that we have people in the White House may not even understand. Hopefully they get this message, they get the book or something like, oh, wow. I'm a minister on the mountain of government. This is my pulpit. This is my platform. Because we always shine more when we understand our identity. See, so many of God's people, even the guy that's already in government in another nation, he didn't know that he was a messenger, that he was a minister of God. And now he knows he's a minister of God. That is part of his assignment to receive the kingdom of God. So if you feel something stirring in your heart, you didn't know it before. You're like, well, I want to go in government, but I don't have time to get a political science degree, and it's too late. You know, there's all kinds of ways you can get on that mountain, all kinds of ways you can function. And the Lord will begin to open doors and give you the favor you need to get wherever you need. You know, the whole world has changed in a profound way as to even how you qualify for being a president. It used to be, I think sort of used to be, general the idea was, yeah, if you're called to government, you want to be a candidate, a president, or whatever, you get your political science degree, something in politics, your preparation there, and then you go, you serve with someone, then you just slowly climb up the mountain. Now, all you got to do is be a star. We have the Terminator is the governor of California. Actor Ronald Reagan was the president of the United States. We could clearly say that Barack Obama was put in by a coordinated effort between the mountain of media and the mountain of arts and entertainment. It was said of him that he had, this is not to attack him because we bless him as president, but that he was the least qualified as far as if you go by studies and what he had ever done. And so it is, we can complain about the rules or we can just recognize God has all kinds of ways to put his men in office. It becomes a shortcut for when God needs shortcuts for his people too. So it's not, nothing we need to cry about. God uses everything. All right, so in closing, we want to understand our governmental missions. What is our mission on the mountain of government? Again, this will not be in-depth, but it's enough to get you started. We are to identify and deal with unrighteous institutions and unjust laws. This is our structural mission. We're going to go into two specific missions. First one is the structural mission. I put there in parentheses, don't go after that which already basically represents God's heart. Some of us can assume, well, government just needs to come down, system of this world are all corrupt. It's not true, actually. Many governmental laws and ordinances are basically righteous. They've even drawn off the scriptures, off the Our own nation, the United States, many, many, many of our institutions represent, again, the basic heart of God. There's no sense trying to tear them down. There's built-in compassion. Again, there's unsanctified mercy and compassion where it's excessive. So there's a recognition of that. But it does become of of value. And there was 
somewhere where we went with the seven mountain message, it was there was a group of people going into their own nation. I thought it was very interesting. They were studying their own laws and they wanted to identify structures and laws and ordinances that were righteous that didn't need to be touched. And then after that, look at the ones that did need to be addressed. That becomes our structural mission. Again, when we say this message of the seven mountains, it's not about just getting, we need to get people saved on the mountain of government, on the mountain of celebration of arts and entertainment, on the mountain of the economy, business. It's not just about getting people saved there. It's that structurally it's misfunctioning. It's not representing God's heart, his face, his goodness. That he does have his light, his way of doing things, and we are to bring that to earth. So we want to get to the second part of the mission, and that is to seek to fill all possible positions with kingdom-minded individuals. This is our personnel mission. We are talking about the structural mission. This is the personnel mission. I think I mentioned before, we don't want to function as a Christian mafia. It's not about organizing and imposing the will of Christian people. If it gets too organized, too strategic as a group, it's just something starts going wrong. It needs to be people in relationship with God carrying light, in an organic fashion, not overly, uh, again, not overly uh, uh, strategic in how this, the organization is set up. The nation that I just came from a couple of weeks ago, I won't say it here, but what was such a blessing, we were able to minister to some level or another, and we have strong inroads with what I believe were there four of the presidential candidates for the next election. And, and they seem to be the four top presidential candidates. And it's sort of like a win-win situation. And, and there are God's people, there are believers, kingdom-minded, seven-mountain believers surrounding all of these candidates in some way or another. And I like that so much better. It's not a Christian party that's trying to put their guy forward that everybody's afraid of and overreacts to. There is the salt and light, the influence of believers everywhere. This is, we got to fill these mountains at every sector Again, we're not just looking for a president hero that saves a nation. That's not going to be the way it happens. We've had that in other nations. It doesn't work. We have to have so many of the sons and daughters of the king at every position, at every level, chauffeurs, intercessors, advisors, aides, senators, congressmen, presidents, Supreme Court, just everywhere we can on this mountain, those who personally have a relationship with Jesus Christ and want him to shine through them structurally even also in the way government is supposed to manifest on earth. So we have a structural mission. We also have a personnel mission. All right. When the righteous govern. This is a scripture from Proverbs. Looks like I don't have it listed there, but it's there. When the righteous govern, when the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. But when a wicked man rules, the people groan. If anybody has that written right in front of them and knows where specifically that scripture, just yell it at me so I can say it here on the DVD. But when the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. But when a wicked man rules, the people groan. This would be a scripture for those who believe institutionally, their church, their movement, their organization, their denomination, that believers are not to be involved in politics. It clearly says when the righteous are in authority... That the people rejoice. When the people, that the people are rejoicing is because we're not imposing our will, our Christian way on people. It's not that kind of thing. It's about we are displacers of darkness. And so they breathe easier. They, they have more peace, more faith, more hope, more joy. The focus of our authority is over dark powers, not people we got to re- remember that. See, there is, right now in this nation, there is an, an activation, there's an awakening of God's people, of Christians, like, oh my goodness, we've got to get involved in the other sectors of society. Part of it is properly motivated, part of it is not. There's an aspect of it that's motivated by fear, anxiety, oh my goodness, God needs a whole lot of help, and we better rise up in this time, and we better coordinate, we better, we better organize together, we better do the, and it's all this cons, concentrated Christian effort. Again, when it gets overly organized, it, gets, it starts looking like, a Christian, looking like a Christian mafia, and it's not what God is doing. The other thing is from a very hopeful perspective, cooperating with the God of all power. 
and allowing him to use us as vessels of his presence and of his solutions in all sectors of society. Now, there's a difference between we don't want to be flying solo. We, want to be, we don't want to be lone rangers. That's the wisdom of mountain climbing is that we want to be roped to each other. We want to be a lot of us roped to each other. But that doesn't speak so much as to strategic organization as much as strategically relationally connected to those who are also called to influence and displace the darkness on that mountain. That's Proverbs 29.2. Thank you very much. That's Proverbs 29.2. When the righteous are in authority, the, the people rejoice. Final scripture, Isaiah 9.7. His government on earth will be ever increasing. Isaiah 9 speaks of unto us a son is born, a child is born, a son is given. It goes into that. But then he gets to this verse 7. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. To the degree we receive his government and release it on earth, his peace increases on earth. He really is the, peace, the prince of peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. I don't know if you get that line, but it means his government will never stop increasing. Not that there will always be some measure of his government, but it's like that scripture, another scripture in Proverbs, I believe. The path of the righteous grows brighter every day until that perfect day. This is a going brighter and brighter and brighter. His government on earth will be ever increasing. This will be how his government comes in, in an ever increasing fashion, rather as a, than as a one-day explosion. It will be as his children awake, as they arise, and as they shine on this mountain. This is what is before us. This is part of the understanding as to the mission, our mission on this, the mountain of government. There is a God of government. He has authority. He has plenty of power. He has plenty of authority. He has all that is required. He's looking for sons and daughters who understand who they are, who recognize the times, and who are willing to receive his light that will displace even the greatest of darkness. Not to do it from a standpoint of worry, concern, but of joyfully cooperating with God and what he's doing in this last day. I want to pray with you. I'm going to ask you just to stand with me if you're here in the meeting. And then I just want to pray with you just quickly for those who are watching. This is part of your instruction DVD. Lord, I just thank you for what you are doing in this day and that you are opening our eyes to recognize you, to recognize your face, your good face, to recognize other facets of your face, to recognize you in the fullness of your seven spirits even, as it says in Revelation 4 and 5, that you even have one of your spirits is specifically designated and orchestrates angels, archangels, tens of millions of angels to be released so that your government can be on earth as it is in heaven. This is not a pipe dream. This absolutely will happen. The kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of our God, and it is your desire to use your children to the degree we begin to know your heart more. We begin to understand that this will be a great joy of yours, not just to come and impose your power at the end once your children have given up. But you will raise your weak feeble ones, and you will strengthen them. You will love them so profoundly, you will fill them with so much of your holy presence, your Holy Spirit. They will prophesy to dry bones in their cities and nations. They will bring your kingdom. They will bring your kingdom into the areas of government. I thank you, Lord, that you are releasing, even upon those who are watching this now, you are releasing a special anointing and impartation of faith to carry light, to displace and dispel the darkness that are on the mountains of their country, their city, their cities, their nations, their regions. I thank you, Lord. You are awakening an entire army, and that will be in the millions. There will be millions and millions of your sons and daughters who will arise, who will be awakened, and will begin to come upon the mountain of government of their various cities and nations, and they will receive your glory, your light, and they will allow this great thing to take place in this last day that even entire nations can walk to the light of the sons of God. Thank you for that, Lord. And in Jesus' name we pray.
Amen. Are we done there? Okay. Right now, it's your statement before the Lord, and I do want to pray over you. Jesus. I feel the anointing rising, just them showing up. That's the biggest thing is the king the king's kids just have to show up. Light bulbs don't have to work to displace darkness, they just have to show up. That's awesome. I'm just going to ask you to close your eyes. Just hold your hands out. Holy Spirit, you see that this is a holy moment, Lord. I sense in the Spirit things are shifting. Angels are being activated. Doors are being opened. Changes are being orchestrated in heaven. I thank you, Lord, for these, your sons and daughters who have come up and said, use me, Papa. I'll work with you. Arise on me. Without your glory and your light, I can't do anything. But if you'll come on me, I'll go as far as you take me. I ask, Lord, for everyone that has come up here tonight. I ask for everyone. And I thank you. I'm, I'm, I'm asking you for something you've told me you've already done and released. I thank you for a new favor, a new grace upon their lives. I thank you for your dreams being activated into their lives. A new understanding of how they make their initial connection to the mountain of government. I believe that's the first step the Lord's going to help you with. I believe there's a spirit of wisdom assigned to you as a group here. Probably the Holy Spirit, but it might be angel of wisdom for each one of you. For you to know how to make your initial connection to the mountain of government. Actually, many of you have already done that. But he's going to begin to show you the next doors how it happens. Never despise the day of small beginnings. If you're called to that mountain, get on it somehow. I just see the Lord just pouring an oil on all of you. There's an oil, a golden oil being poured on all of your heads even right now. It's an anointing for this. An anointing for this. A displacing anointing. Let your oil come. Holy Spirit, pour, pour. In the last days, you will pour upon your sons and your daughters. That'll be the key to darkness being crushed, displaced. More, more. I ask for visions, dreams. I ask for mantles to be released even upon some here, even now, Lord. I believe there's, I believe the Lord show me. I don't know which ones they are, but I see five specific the serious apostolic mantles being released for some of you that are right here tonight five of you I just see the five of them I can't tell who they're for this is to take you very far to influence in a profound way all you're ever called to do is what he asks you to do it's not your business you show up and let him take you as far as he goes He's just pouring in, he's pouring in, he's pouring in, he's pouring in. We take advantage of this moment, Lord, to declare your light into Washington, D.C. And I thank you, Lord. I see, I just saw, as I said it, I saw the Lord. He was an archer. And he had his, what's the thing called that holds all the arrows in the back? Quiver. And he was beginning to put you all in his back. You were being put into his quiver there's a bunch of you going to be sent in from his bow and arrow into D.C. he takes you he covers you with gold and he sends you there he pinpoints you he releases you there and there's obviously there's local and all kinds of other areas of government but it was just a vision that I immediately began to see. And as I mentioned, D.C., I saw the Lord, a vision. Saw him, this quiver, and him sticking you in the back, preparing you. He's going to send you in the right time. 
Thank you, Lord. These are the most exciting days imaginable for your sons and daughters. If we'll awake first, then arise and shine. Dare you to do the amazing things. Lord, penetrate the darkness of D.C. Cover our president. Let your light right now break into the White House, Lord. Displace the darkness. Let angels be sent in. We cover our president. We raise up an umbrella over him that stops darkness. We ask for a mercy and a grace upon him to make righteous decisions even at times when he's confused. Did you so intervene? Did you cause that to happen, Lord? Begin to break into the Supreme Court. Break into the White House. Break into Senate. Break into Congress, Lord. Let your light come. Let your sons and daughters arise. We thank you for that, Lord, in Jesus' name.